0: الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وصيئات أعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so the last thing that we were discussing in the last lecture was regarding the four madhabs: The madhhab of Al-Imam Abu Hanifa and the madhab of Al-Imam Malik and the madhab of Al-Imam Shafi'i and the madhab of Al-Imam Ahmad Rahimahumullah and we were quoting what all four of the imams had said about their madhab they had all said basically that if you ever come across a hadith that goes against what i've said in my madhab then which one do you have to follow the hadith all of them said that All of them said, if you ever come across a sunnah, which opposes what I've said in my madhab, then forget what I said, stick to the sunnah. All of them said that. Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, Al-Imam Malik, Al-Imam Shafi'i, Al-Imam Ahmed. In different wordings, but all of them the same thing. So there were some examples that we quoted Al Imam Abu Hanifa had mentioned about the hadith and about the sunnah and about the statements of the companions he said they are the priority whenever we get a hadith whenever we get a statement of the companions then we take that that is the priority and we had seen the statement of Imam Malik when he said everybody can make mistakes, everybody can be right, they can be wrong, except only the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa There are no mistakes from him, all of that is revelation that he taught us. So Imam Malik said, there's nobody you can just follow 100% except the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam." Imam Shafi'i had said, if a hadith is proven to be authentic, then that's my madhab. Any hadith you find which is authentic, that's my madhab. And Al Imam Ahmad, he said, عجبت لقوم عرفوا الإسناد وصحته يذهبون إلى He said, I'm amazed that people who know about the chains of narrations and they know about the hadith and instead they go to the opinions of Sufyan, who was one of the great scholars at the time. The point he was making was you can't take anybody over and above what is in the Quran and the Sunnah. If the scholars give you the opinions that are the same as what the Quran and the Sunnah says, then yes, of course, that's what we take and that's what we follow from the scholars. But you do not blind follow anyone. You do not blind follow a madhab or blind follow a particular imam. Rather, we take the evidences, the sunnah. Whatever is authentic, we accept it. We don't say, but our madhab doesn't mention that hadith. If the hadith is authentic, it's authentic and established, then you must take it. It is impermissible for you not to take it. And that's why in the Qur'an Allah mentioned, فَلْيَحْذَرِ الَّذِينَ يُخَالِفُونَ عَنْ أَمْرِهِ أَنْ تصيبهم فتنة أو يصيبهم عذاب أليم. Let them be warned. Let them be warned. Those who oppose his command, that some trial may overcome them or some severe punishment may overcome them. Those who oppose the guidance, they oppose the Messenger. Then, Qala Shaykh. عبد الرحمن بن حسن رحمه الله في فتح المجيد فالواجب على كل مكلف إذا بلغه الدليل من كتاب الله وسنة رسوله وفهم معنى ذلك أن ينتهي إليه وَيَعْمَلَ بِهِ وَإِنْ خَالَفَهُ مَنْ خَالَفَهُ He said the obligation upon every believer who has responsibility upon him, every believer who is addressed by the Sharia, every believer, Needing to practice his religion, the responsibility upon us all, if an evidence comes to us from the Qur'an or the Sunnah, and we understand its meaning, that we stop at that evidence. That's what we do then. We act upon that, and we practice that even if Whoever opposes us, opposes us. It isn't about numbers, it isn't about majority. It is about the evidences. So whenever the evidence comes to you, the authentic evidence, then we stick to that and we follow that. And he also said, also, when you read the books of the scholars and you look into them and you see their opinions, you should always check their opinions upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Is the opinion they are mentioning evidenced in the Qur'an and the Sunnah? Does it have proof what they are saying? If they give you proof and evidence, then that's what we accept. فَإِنَّ كُلَّ مُجْتَهِدٍ مِنَ وَمَن تَبِعَهُ إِلَيْهِ يَذْكُرُ all of the scholars and those who follow them uh, and associate themselves to it, they mention the evidences and they mention the truth and the correct position in the issue. And that is only one correct position. Well Here is a point now, if the truth is only one way, but you have these different madhabs, Al-Imam Shafi'i says one thing, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa something different, Al-Imam Malik something different, Al-Imam Ahmed something different, then maybe some of them made mistakes. But what do we say about that? There is a hadith the Prophet sallallahu mentioned that if a scholar sincerely tries to get to the correct ruling in an issue sincerely tries and attempts to find the correct ruling for an issue then he still ends up making a mistake though, he will still get one reward. And if a scholar sincerely tries and gets to a conclusion and gets it right, he'll get two rewards. So the scholars who are genuine and sincere, they make a mistake, there is still a reward for them for their genuine sincerity, but that doesn't mean we're allowed to follow the mistake, We do not follow the mistake that they may have made. That is impermissible to follow the mistakes of a scholar and say, but the scholar said so. If you can see that it's going against the hadith or it's going against the correct position that other scholars have clearly clarified, then you cannot blindly follow those opinions. وَإِذَا كَانَ لَا يَجْزُوْءُ اتْبَاعُ أَئِمَةِ الْفِقْهِ الْمُجْتَهِدِينَ فِيمَا أَخْتَأُوْفِيهِ مِنَ الْإِجْتِهَادِ مَعَ أَنَّهُمْ مَعْذُرُونَ وَمَأْجُورُونَ فِيمَا أَخْتَأُوْفِيهِ مِنْ غَيْرِ الْقَاصِدِ So it is impermissible to follow the scholars in a mistake that they may have made in issues of fiqh, for example you cannot follow a scholar in a mistake that he may have made even though they will be gaining their reward anyway for sincerely and genuinely striving but we are not allowed to follow the mistake it is impermissible to follow them upon a mistake so when it comes to fiqh we're not allowed to blindly follow any of the scholars in fiqh you follow the evidences so what about something even more than fiqh You can't just blindly follow anyone in aqidah. They tell you it's like this and it's like that. No evidence, no nothing. They tell you Allah has no names and attributes. They make up all types of other things. You cannot just blindly follow like that. That's not how you learn. When learning, you must be taught with the evidences, with the ayat, with the ahadith. And with the explanations of the Salaf the explanations of the Salaf upon those evidences, upon those ahadith, upon those ayat, so it is impermissible to blindly follow in these affairs. Wahirul umur al wasat wal The best of affairs is to be balanced, to be balanced. So we don't just follow the scholars blind following. But at the same time, we don't go to the other extreme and abandon the scholars. You don't follow them blindly, but you don't abandon them and not follow them at all. In the middle balanced, follow the scholars and take the knowledge from them. But only the knowledge which they are giving to you upon evidences, upon Qur'an, upon Sunnah, upon the way of the Salaf. Because Allah told us in the Qur'an, Ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. فَكَمَا لَا تَجُوزُ طَاعَةُ الْعُلَمَا فِي تَحْلِيلِ الْحَرَامُ وَالتَحْرِيمِ الْحَلَالِ فَكَذَلِكَ لَا تَجُوزُ Umara الْأُمَرَ وَالرُؤَسَا فِي الْحُكُمْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِغَيْرِ الشَّرِيَعَةِ الْإِسْلَامِيَّةِ So it is impermissible, remember the topic here it mentioned the impermissibility of following the rulers, Or the scholars or the monks or the rabbis in making halal what Allah has made haram or making haram what Allah has made halal you do not follow people in that the halal and the haram is what Allah has made halal and haram so we follow that what Allah has told us is halal and is haram and we do not follow anybody else changing the halal to haram or the haram to halal. Nowadays, so many of these people who call themselves scholars, they are making all of the haram into halal. They say, but the times that we live in now, it's permissible now. You can do this, you can do that. The religion of Islam, it stays the same till the day of judgment. In الدِّينَ Allah Islam, islam The religion with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al islam wa qad akhbara Anil Munafi Kina Anna annahum hina ma yad'una ila al tahakum ila shar'in la ya'bun yu'ad'una ila al tahakum ila shar'in it mentions that when the hypocrites when the hypocrites Used to be told to have their affairs judged by the Sharia of Allah They would refuse They did not want their affairs to be judged by the Sharia of Allah The hypocrites Because the hypocrites they are not upon Islam They are not upon Iman they were only pretending to be upon Islam, pretending to be upon Iman. And so when they were told to have their affairs judged by what Allah has revealed, then they did not want to do that. وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ تَعَالَوْ إِلَى مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ وَإِلَى الرَّسُولِ رَأَيْتَ الْمُنَافِقِينَ يَصُدُّونَ عِنكَ صُدودًا and when you say to them, when it is said to them, come to that which Allah has revealed unto his messenger, you see the hypocrites turning away, blocking away from that. They do not want to come to the judgment of the Sharia upon them. قال الإمام qayyim القيم رحمه الله على هذه الآية Al-Imam Ibn Al-Qayyim Rahimahullah Ta'ala said regarding the ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُمْ لَا تُفْسِدُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ قَالُوا إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ مُصْلِحُونَ أَلَا إِنَّهُمْ هُمُ الْمُفْسِدُونَ وَلَاكِنْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ That when it is said to them, do not cause corruption, do not cause corruption upon the earth, they say we are the rectifiers. But indeed, they are the ones who are causing corruption and they do not perceive it. Al-imam ibn al-qayyim said, (laughs) قال أكثر المفسرين The majority of the scholars of Tafsir said, ولا تفسدوا فيها بالمعاصي والدعاء إلى طاعة غير الله بعد إصلاح الله لها that many of the scholars of tafsir they say the meaning of this ayah when it is said to them do not cause corruption upon the earth they say we're only doing good the corruption was that they were calling to the worship of others besides Allah and that they were committing sins after Allah had sent the messengers and had clarified and brought about rectification upon the earth and clarified the Sharia and obedience to Allah. They came along in disobedience to Allah in opposing that Sharia in committing sins and that was the corruption they were causing. فَإِنَّ عِبَادَةَ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ وَالدَّعْوَ إِلَىٰ غَيْرِهِ وَشِرْكُ بِهِ هُوَ أعظم فساد فِي الْأَرْضِ For indeed, worshipping others besides Allah and calling upon others besides Allah and associating partners alongside Allah, that is the greatest type of corruption that can be caused upon the earth. The greatest type of corruption upon the earth is calling upon others besides Allah, committing shirk alongside Allah, going to the graves and prostrating to them, making dua to them, asking them for help. This is all shirk. This is great form of corruption, a great form of corruption. So that is the corruption that is being mentioned. بَلْ فَسَادُ الْأَرْضِ فِي الْحَاقِيقَةِ إِنَّمَا هُوَ بِالشِّرْكِ وَمُخَالَفَةِ أَمْرِهِ So the corruption upon the earth in reality, it is the shirk associating partners alongside Allah and opposing his commandments. فَالشِّرْكُ وَالدَّعَوَةُ إِلَىٰ غَيْرِ اللَّهِ وَإِقَامَةِ مَعْبُودٍ غَيْرَهِ So uh, committing shirk and calling upon others and establishing other so-called gods besides him, then that is the greatest of corruption. And obeying others besides the Prophet ﷺ is the greatest of corruption. So this is the corruption that they were causing, the corruption that they created, sinning and disobedience and opposition to the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So they were told, do not cause corruption. They said, we are only doing good. And in reality, they were causing corruption upon the earth. That is the section Then we're going to stop on to pray. Then after the prayer, we'll carry on and finish off the next section, inshaAllah. الحمد لله والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه then Sheikh Al-Fawzan Allah says here Walla Buddha abdi it is a must for the servant to accept the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is a must for the servant to accept and submit to the rulings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As Allah said in the Quran, فَلَا وَرَبِّكَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ حَتَّى يُحَكِّمُوكَ فِي شَجَرَ بَيْنَهُمْ ثُمَّ لَا يَجِدُوا فِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَرَجًا مِمَّا قَضَيْتْ وَيُسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا That by your Lord they will not truly believe until they make you the judge in their affairs of disputation between themselves. And then they do not find any resistance in of themselves for what you judge. And they submit to it. That they submit to the rulings of the Quran and the Sunnah. They submit to the judgment that is mentioned in the Sharia. They submit to that and do not find any resistance in of themselves against that. There is a narration by Abdullah ibn Umar. Some scholars they say might be weak though. It is the narration where it says, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبع لما جئت Some of the scholars, they say the narration is weak, but the meaning of it is, none of you will truly believe until your desires are in line with what I have come with. None of you truly believes until your desires are in line with what I have come with. Meaning that your desires, they are in line with the Sharia. You want to do what the commandments of the Sharia are. What the commandments in the religion are. You want to follow that? Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah said, معنى Hadith." أن الإنسان لا يكون مؤمناً كامل الإيمان الواجب حتى تكون محبته تابعة لما جاء به الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم من الأوامر والنواهي وغيرها. That the meaning of this hadith is that a person will not be a complete believer, meaning his iman will not be complete. Until his love is in line with that which the Prophet ﷺ came with. That your love and what you desire, it is in line with, follows on from that which the Prophet ﷺ has come with, from the commandments and the prohibitions, and other than that. فيحب ما أمر به ويكره ما نهى عنه So you love what Allah has commanded us with and you hate what Allah has prohibited us from وقد وقد ورد القرآن بمثل هذا المعنى في غير موضع And there are multiple places in the Qur'an where this meaning is apparent, where this meaning, this point has been made. وَذَمَّ سُبْحَانَهُ مَنْ كَرِهَ مَا أَحَبَّهُ اللَّهُ أَحَبَّ مَا كَرِهَهُ اللَّهُ And Allah dispraises those who hate what Allah loves. Or love what Allah hates. It's in the Quran. That is because they follow that which angers Allah And they disliked his pleasure So he destroyed their actions. They followed that which angers Allah and they hated, disliked his pleasure. They loved what Allah hates and they hated what Allah loves and so Allah destroyed their actions. إلى ابن رجب يعني وقد وصف المشركين باتباع الهوى في مواضع من كتابه that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has described and attributed to the polytheists, the mushrikun, that they follow their desires in many places in the Quran. In many places in the Quran, it mentions how the mushrikun follow their desires it mentions in one example فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا لَكَ فَاعْلَمْ أَنَّمَا يَتَّبِعُونَ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ That they indeed follow يَتَّبِعُونَ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ They follow their desires and that is in multiple places in the Qur'an. وَكَذَلِكَ الْبِدَاعِ and similarly, innovation. How does it begin? من تقديم الهوى على شرع. By giving precedence to your desires over the rulings of the religion. You want to do something else. You want to follow your desires over and above what is mentioned in the religion. وَلِهَذَا ahluha أَهْلُهَا أَهْلُ الأهوى. And that is why those people who follow their desires are known as the people of desires. They follow their own desires over and above what is mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. وَكَذَلِكَ الْمَعَاصِيِ And similarly sinning. Sinning also begins in the same way. مِن تَقْدِيمِ الْهَوَى عَلَى مَحَبَّةِ اللَّهُ ومحبة ما يحبه. By giving precedence to your desires over what Allah loves and loving what He loves. You do not love what Allah loves and so you end up in your sinning. وَكَذَلِكَ حُبُّ الْأَشْخَاصِ الْوَاجِبِ فِيهِ أَنْ يَكُونَ تَبْعًا لِمَا جَاءَ بِهِ الرَّسُولِ sallallahu alayhi Wasallam sallam fayaajib 'ala al-mu'min mahabbata man yuhibbu Allah min al-malaa'ika wa al-rusul wa al-anbiya wa al-siddiqin wa al-shuhada wa al-salihin 'umma intaha kalamuhu rahimahu Allah ans loving people the obligation of loving those whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves, loving in line with what the messenger has come with. So loving whom Allah loves. Like the angels. Like the messengers. Like the prophets. Like the truthful ones. Like the martyrs. Like the righteous. Loving whom Allah loves. And that's why it is loving for the sake of Allah. And hating for the sake of Allah. Al-Hubbu the love for the sake of allah and the shaykh al-fawzan hafidhahullah ta'ala mentioned these days loving for the sake of allah is very little people these days they love each other for other reasons they love that person because he's got money and they love this person because he's going to do them some favor They do not love for the sake of Allah. The shaykh said that has become small these days. Loving for the sake of Allah and hating for the sake of Allah. You love a person for the sake of Allah. How? Meaning you love a person because you see him practicing the religion properly. So you love him because he is obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala practicing the Quran and the Sunnah. So you love him, love him for the sake of Allah. And you hate a person because of his opposition. That he opposes the commands of Allah, opposes what is in the Sunnah. And so that opposition of his, because of it, you hate him. He's opposing what's in the religion, opposing the commands of Allah, opposing the commands of the messenger. And so you hate that person, hate him for the sake of Allah. But now people, they have very little of that. They love a person for worldly things. dunya, For worldly matters, even if that person is a mubtadi' he's a sinner. He opposes the commands of Allah and the Messenger blatantly. A person still loves him because he's an old friend or because he's got money or because he's going to help you or because this, because that. People will judge their friendships upon those things instead of judging them upon loving for the sake of Allah. And they'll hate a person not for the sake of Allah but for personal reasons. Even though that person may be somebody who is upon the sunnah practicing properly but they hate that person because they got a personal problem with him not because of his religion he's a practicing proper person upon sunnah then why are you hating him your personal hate should not overcome the love for the sake of allah you love him for the sake of allah because he's a practicing sunni And whatever argument has occurred between yourselves, you do not allow that to overwhelm the fact that he is a practicing individual upon obedience to Allah upon the sunnah. So loving and hating is to be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not for the sake of worldly benefits and worldly gains. The next chapter now, there's a new chapter beginning here, a subsection. In this subsection and the chapters which are coming, it's Umur Ukhra Tunafi At-Tawheed. Other things that contradict and oppose and negate your Tawheed. And so now one by one the Shaykh is going to go through a variety of things that oppose Tawheed and contradict Tawheed. The first of those which we'll look into detail next time is Su billah having evil thoughts of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Evil thoughts, evil suspicion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that is the chapter, then we'll begin properly from next time. Any questions or anything else now, then, before we round off? The difference between aqidah and tawheed. The word tawheed. What does it mean? Hmm? Aqeedah and Fiqh, you changed the question now, we just started answering, change it all then. Aqeedah and Fiqh. So what is the difference between Aqeedah and Fiqh? So what is the difference between Aqeedah and Fiqh? When we talk about Fiqh, and then we talk about Aqeedah, what is the difference? Aqeedah is your core foundation of beliefs. Anybody want to help him? The way of understanding jurisprudence—that's the translation. What does jurisprudence mean? The rulings. So, aqidah. When we talk about aqidah, the word aqidah in Arabic it means something which is like. tied something which is tied together so your is your beliefs that are tied together inside of yourself your beliefs that are tied together in of yourself like an aqd, like a knot like something tied together they are your fundamental basic principle beliefs in terms of your belief in allah the six pillars of iman for example Belief in Allah, belief in the angels, belief in the books, the prophets, the day of judgment, the decree. Belief in all the various aspects, your iman in the uh, belief in iman generally and what it is and beliefs and actions. In the sahaba, in the decree, in the family of the wasallam. various aspects of aqeedah. All these topics we're going to be doing in this book, they are all topics of aqeedah, all these. Everything we're going to be covering in this book and what we have covered so far, it is all under the subject of Aqeedah. But Fiqh, when people talk about Fiqh, then that is as you've mentioned like the rulings, the Ahkam, the jurisprudence. So the Fiqh, they talk about for example the Fiqh in Tahara, about purification, wusul, wudu, this will all come under the chapters of Fiqh. You have kitab salah in the books of fiqh, for example, how to pray, all of the details, the arkan, the wajibat, the sunan. You have kitab uh, sayam kitab ul kitab hajj They'll go through the different chapters, the Abwab al-fiqh, going through the different ibadat, the different worships. So all of that is what is typically referred to as fiqh. And in aqeedah, it is your core beliefs, What distinguishes between Tawheed and Shirk? What distinguishes between the correct belief and the incorrect belief? What do we believe about Allah? We've spoken about, for example, the names of Allah before. That is all from your Aqeedah, understanding the different names of Allah, the meanings of those names of Allah. So, there is a difference between Aqeedah and Fiqh in that way. Everything in this book we are doing, it is on the topic of Aqeedah. So loving and hating for the sake of Allah, a person you see him upon sinning, upon wrong, upon disobedience, you hate. You hate this person for the sake of Allah, i.e. because you see him doing all of this sinning and opposition and going against what Allah and the Messenger told us. That doesn't mean that you transgress or oppress anybody. A kafir for example, do you love a kafir? No. You hate the kafir because of the kufr he's upon. But does that mean you're not going to give him da'wah? Even a mubtadi' or somebody who's a sinner. You hate all the sin and the evil and the innovation or the shirk of the kafir. You hate all of that that he's upon. But it doesn't mean you're going to abandon him or be evil or oppress or transgress. You're still going to give da'wah to that person. You're going to try and invite him back to the religion, show him the truth. So... When we say loving and hating, it doesn't mean that you're going to do something to the person and you're going to oppress him or transgress it against him. You're still going to give da'wah to the person, but you're not going to love that person. You're not going to say, this Mubtali, I love him for the sake of Allah. How can you for the sake of Allah? He's going against what Allah has commanded. Parents, remember we spoke about this before, the different types of love. So imagine your parents are kuffar, you don't love them for that. For that purpose there you have a hatred for the kufr thereupon, upon but of course you have the natural love for your parents of course that is going to be there but you don't love them on the religion they're on you don't love them because they're upon kufr and shirk you love them because of the natural love they are your parents whatever happens you go you can go against them if they command you to do something that is in opposition to Islam if they don't you have to obey them so even if your parents are kuffar, but they say to you go and get the shopping you have to obey they say clean the house you have to obey but they say don't go to the mosque miss the prayer now you don't have to obey some people they say if you're going to follow a madhab you have to follow it all you can't just follow one bit here and one bit there but that is not the correct position and the correct understanding. Is one, any one of the madhabs, is any one of them absolutely 100% accurate? We've already understood it's not. So if you're only going to follow one exclusively, then you're going to end up following some of the mistakes in that madhab too. That's why there's no such thing as blindly following one person other than the Prophet wasallam. That's the only person you follow all the guidance from. Abu hanifa They all made mistakes or not? They all made some mistakes. But if they did, they were genuine and they were sincere. So they still get one reward like we said. In Akhtaa, he still gets one Ajar. But that doesn't mean you can follow him in the mistake. So it's not a case of blindly following one madhab. That is incorrect. You follow the evidences. The only one that you follow like that completely is the Prophet. That's why they all said, if you ever come across a sunnah that goes against what I said, then follow the sunnah, not what I said blindly. They even said it themselves. So how are people now saying you have to stick to the one madhab? It means they are not even sticking to the statements of the imam of that madhab. The imam told them, don't blindly follow it. If you see a sunnah going against what I say, then follow the sunnah. They say, no, just stick to what he said 100%. So they're going against the madhab themselves, that means. We have to stop there because another class, but inshallah ta'ala will carry on next week at 7 p.m. inshallah.